Welcome to The Loophole, a podcast exploring crime and criminal defense in America. This series is produced by Wampler Passanisi, one of the Midwest's leading criminal defense firms, with hosts Joe Passanisi and Talon Sumner's Schwartz. The Loophole covers gun laws, domestic violence, drugs, embezzlement, bribery, government overreach, and more. If you're into true crime, it doesn't get more real than this. Welcome to this episode of The Loophole. Welcome to our podcast. With the holidays upon us, we wanted to take some time to talk to you about the topic of red lights in your rearview mirror after the office Christmas party, what to do. Over the holidays, law enforcement is increased, whether it's intense supervision, so to speak, in the area, uh, monitoring the watering holes and establishments. Everyone is focused on keeping impaired drivers off the road. In that process, I will tell you some key things that most people are unaware. Everybody knows the limit, which is 0.08. The problem becomes in the fact that Missouri's DWI law has no number in it, which means you can get prosecuted even if you blow under 0.08. If you blow 0.02, 0.04, whether you're impaired by alcohol, prescription drugs that you're taking validly, or even illegal substances. With the legalization of marijuana, that has increased the area of impaired driving And so there is efforts to uh, enforce impaired driving under the influence of drugs. Bottom line, there is increased awareness around this time, and individuals need to be focused on what are their options, what are their rights, if they've been drinking and they get stopped. The basic premise that you need to know is when you get stopped, One person hasn't been drinking, and one person has. That is the scenario that you're in. So everyone automatically assumes that the law enforcement officer hasn't been doing any illegal substances or drinking. And so when he walks up to the side of the car, the first question you're asked is, have you been drinking? How many have you had? What have you been drinking? And right away, you're put on the defense. We want to be able to tell you how to handle those situations because these individuals that are enforcing the laws are just doing their job. In fact, in Southwest Missouri, it is one of the largest enforcement issues that law enforcement is tasked with by the public. They focus on impaired driving, and it is only increasing, even with the legalization of marijuana. So that question, how do you handle it? You don't want to lie to the officer. You don't want to be defensive with the officer. You don't want to do a lot of talking. My advice is this. You know how much you drink. It's one of those moments where you're not going to talk your way out of the situation if you've been stopped. There's no if, ands, or buts. They're going to want to ask you questions. They're going to want to give you field sobriety tests. All they are doing is putting the onus on you 
to give them the evidence to show that you're impaired. When you look at a DWI case, it breaks down to three components. Number one, what is the basis for the stop? Two, what happens after that stop to the point they say you're under arrest? And then three, whether or not you take the breath test, you refuse to blow, or any subsequent action by you in the patrol. That's how every DWI case is broken down. So when they stop you, they don't stop you for DWI. They stop you for a traffic violation, whether it's an intentional one or an unintentional one. Even better, in Missouri, believe it or not, law enforcement can stop you for what they call unusual operation of a motor vehicle. Well, what is unusual operation? If you're in Springfield and it's a windy day, if your car weaves within the lane, you don't even touch the lines on either side. That is enough to stop you because the officer can say that's unusual. So how do you pull over? You pull over immediately. If those lights go on, they are already starting to monitor you in the sense of do you recognize the lights? How do you pull over? Do you pull over in a safe manner? How do you park your car? All of those things that you do from the point that those lights go on, they are now starting to monitor you for that second phase of a DWI. They can pull you over for a cracked windshield. Your tail light is out. Your license plate is out. Things that you don't are unaware of. Today, with the modern technology on vehicles, Sometimes you know if your lights are on or off, they've got so many different lights. The bottom line is, it is very easy for law enforcement to stop a vehicle. And then, of course, you have the usual traffic violation. Speedy, failure to use a turn signal, making a wide turn. All sorts of things that you see during daylight hours when you're driving on the highways or the roads. But Law enforcement chooses not to enforce it at that time. But from the hours of 10 till 2 a.m., they do enforce, and they enforce heavy because that is the mandate that they have. So when you pull over, how you pull over, how you interact, then becomes crucial in that second phase. As a lawyer, I would tell you that moment where if you've been drinking, there is nothing good going to happen if you are going to try to talk your way out of it, get defensive, get argumentative with the officer, or either prove yourself by doing any field sobriety tests. As lawyers that practice in this area, we see increasingly more the period of time from the stop to the arrest is decreasing, meaning it's just within a few minutes. Standardized field sobriety tests are not being given. Law enforcement is relying heavily on what they call portable breath tests or an eye test known as horizontal gaze nystagmus test. These seem to be the two tests that are being given. Often, law enforcement either doesn't do it right, they rush it, or they're not following the protocols and the procedures that are set 
for the the issuance of these two tests. What is happening is basically from that stop to six to 10 minutes later, an arrest is being made. And often it's being made based on officers' opinion and impression. So that dialogue, that very important dialogue that occurs between you and the officer at the scene, it becomes important. Mainly because now we have dash cams, we have body cams, so we can see the scene later on as if it's developing right there in front of us. This is important because in the past, when it comes to issues of slurred speech, whether it becomes on issues of balance, exiting the vehicle, responding to the questions of law enforcement. Those areas with the narrative that's written by law enforcement compared to what we see on video is very telling. So from that, there are some key points that we would like to make with you. Number one, stay calm and be courteous. You're not going to talk your way out of it. If you haven't been drinking and you haven't hardly had anything to drink in several hours, well, then do what they ask. They want you to do field sobriety tests, do them. You might be able to convince them. In handling thousands and thousands of alcohol-related offenses, DWIs are not one at the scene. The reason why is there's a shifting. If the officer is having you answer questions, if the officer is having you get out of the vehicle, if the officer is having you do field sobriety tests, whether it's a portable breath test, walk and turn, stand on one foot, keep a balance while they test your eyes, those are all things that you have to do to prove you're not impaired. It's actually the other way around. They've got to prove you are impaired. So when you do the things, you may be giving them the very evidence that they use later on to make the case for impairment. Remember, at the scene, the standard is not proof beyond a reasonable doubt. The standard is whether there's probable cause to arrest. Whether or not there's probable cause to arrest that you are driving while impaired or intoxicated. That's it. Which means it's a very low standard, especially down here in southwest Missouri. People often ask, well, what is probable cause? We've had those cases where odor of alcohol is enough to arrest. So if there's an odor of alcohol coming from your breath regardless of any field sobriety test, breath test, anything, the officer, based on that jurisdiction, may have enough to arrest you. So that's why that be courteous, stay calm, it may happen. Wait for the instructions. Don't try to talk your way out of it. 
Wampler and Passanisi proudly supports Big Brothers Big Sisters of the Ozarks, devoted to creating positive one-to-one -one mentoring relationships that promote mental health and well-being of youth across the Ozarks. Learn more by visiting bigbro.com. The standard documentation anytime you're pulled over is to see your driver's license and insurance card. If you can't find your insurance card, you're having a difficult time getting your driver's license out of your wallet because that little plastic thing is so tight, well, that's code for officers saying you're fumbling through your wallet, which is an indicator of impairment. See, that's what's going on in that short period of time while they're in that stage two of the observation. They're trying to see if they have indicators of impairment compared to what I, we would call non-indicators. Ultimately, it's a totality chart. So you, they start to look at things like odor of alcohol, slurred speech, responding to questions, balance, the status of your eyes, whether your pupils are small or big, whether they're bloodshot. And, and they're looking at these things because they're trying to basically put weight on it. Is there weight to get to that standard of probable cause? So the moral to the story is less is more, meaning don't do the field sobriety test. Don't be disrespectful. If that question is asked, have you been drinking? Notice that's a loaded question. Drinking what? Water, Dr. Pepper, alcohol? The question doesn't assume the conclusion. It doesn't assume you've been drinking alcohol. The question is, have you been drinking? So if you've had anything to drink, whether it's water, Dr. Pepper, you know, you can answer the question. Listen to that question. Have you been drinking? Well, you don't want to lie to the officer. You can, you've got two options. One, you don't have to answer it because whatever answer you give may then precipitate more questions. Or two, answer it, but answer the question in a way that is, is truthful. So if he asks you, have you been drinking? Yes, I've been drinking water. Force the officer to ask you, well, have you been drinking alcohol? If the officer asks you that, you can invoke your right to counsel. Put the onus on the officer. If you're going to get arrested, why give them additional information? Remember, the officer only needs probable cause. It's not proof at the scene beyond a reasonable doubt. I didn't say be disrespectful. These people have a very difficult and tough and dangerous job to do. So it's very important. I would tell you, don't do any field sobriety tests. You're not going to pass them. Whether you've had alcohol in you or not, don't do them. Why do you have to prove your innocence? If you've had any alcohol, if you've consumed any illegal drug, all you're doing is giving them balance issues, slurred speech issues. Whether it's cold outside, snowy, rainy, you're on a hill, incline, slant, slope, 
high heels, flip-flops, you just make it difficult for yourself because you're not going to prove yourself innocent at the time. My general advice is don't do the field sobriety test. What happens when you refuse to do? You put the onus back on the officer. The officer then has to make the decision. Does he think he has enough or does he let you go? That's where his investigative skills become extremely important because ultimately he's going to be asked that very valuable question later on in court. He or she is going to be asked, based on your training, based on your experience, was this person impaired? Well, he's able or she's able to answer that question based on whether or not you respond with slurred speech, you have balance issues, however you do on those field sobriety tests. What we've noticed over the last couple of years, they're not doing standardized field sobriety tests. They're basically sticking a portable breath test in someone's mouth within seconds or minutes of being pulled over. You don't have to take the portable breath test. If they're already going to arrest you, there's nothing you can do, which means they're going to arrest you. Now, if you're in southwest Missouri, they arrest you, they've got a couple of options. One, they can hold you for 24 hours. That's the law. Second, a lot of jurisdictions don't. They may hold you for four hours and process you out. Three, they may have you call somebody because they're doing breath tests right there at the scene and they'll call a family or friend member to come pick you up and let you go at that point. A lot of this started with COVID and it has carried on because how they process DWI is right at the scene. A lot of it depends on the jurisdiction. So if you have the highway patrol versus a sheriff's versus municipal officers, each law enforcement jurisdiction does it different. So there is no law that requires you to blow. There is no law that requires you to do the field sobriety tests. So they're going to be, it's that give and take right there. Do they have enough to arrest you? Do they not have enough to arrest you? And this is where the officer makes a decision based on the totality of the circumstances. The officer makes the decision based on the driving or what they observed as driving and then their interaction from when they walked up to the side of the window to the decision point of, I'm going to arrest, which then goes to the last category. The last category is, what they call the evidentiary breath test. The evidentiary breath test is the breath test that they use in the court of law as the evidence ticket to try to get a conviction for a DWI. Now remember, that breath test ticket com can come under 0.08. They may say you're impaired either based on prescription pills which are valid prescriptions to you, or illegal substances, or the latest is marijuana. It can be a combination, meaning you blow 0 0.02, 0 0.04, and then you have a combination of either prescription, marijuana, or illegal substances, 
or the third, they can move strictly and upon alcohol. Just because you blow under 0.08 doesn't mean that they can't make the DWI case. There is a presumption that you're impaired at 0.08 and above. And we're in the Ozarks. It's very conservative. So you have to understand your jurisdiction you're in. You have to understand that law enforcement agency that's made the stop. What I can share with you, what I have learned over all of these years of doing this, is that, again, you're treating them as professionals. Whether or not you don't do the field sobriety test, you don't bowl in that portable breath test, goes a long way. They may not like it. They may get upset. They may be frustrated. But then again, it's your right. You don't have to help give them the evidence against you. Now, when you make that decision, and often it's a situational situation, do you blow or not blow? Because the situation then presents itself if you're in a jurisdiction where they'll go get a search warrant and get your blood. And then if they get your blood and that blood test comes back and it's over 0.08, you'll have a situation where you'll have three processes. You'll have the DWI case criminally. You'll have a refusal case, which is a civil department of revenue. And then in, you can have an administrative action if you blow over 08. So it's complicated. There's not a black and white situation. And often when I get those calls from wherever, whether it's 2 in the morning or 7 at night, the first question I always ask is, what is your jurisdiction? What is the law enforcement agency? Bottom line is, when you're asked to take the evidentiary breath test, I always advise you want to talk to a lawyer. By law, you have 20 minutes. Use every minute to try to get a hold of a lawyer. Don't abandon your right for that 20 minutes. So, it complicates the process, but before they show you as a refusal, use the rights that you have. And the basic right is you can ask to talk to a lawyer because this is the point you've been arrested. Now they're getting ready to ask you a bunch of questions. They're going to ask you for that evidentiary breath test. That's where you invoke your right to counsel. Invoking your right to counsel as opposed to taking the breath test, it gets complicated because ultimately, if you take the breath test administratively, that is one process. If you refuse, it's another process. So the law is ever evolving. The law is ever changing. Depending on the jurisdiction, they treat refusals differently. And so it becomes a complicated situation. Doing this for over 25 years, we would tell you at least take advantage of that 20 minutes so you have time to get advice 
to evaluate some of these issues before you just make that decision to refuse or to take the breath test. The bottom line, if you're going to go out and drink this holiday season or at any time, you need to do it responsibly. Make sure you've got a path home. A general rule is if you're going to drink more than two drinks, don't get behind the wheel of the car. You bring in science, you bring in metabolism, you bring in the alcohol content. It all gets complicated because alcohol always affects people differently. So as a general rule, if you're going to drink more than two, don't drive. You can with Ubers, taxi, even the establishments have processes to get you home leave your car there. We all talk about having designated drivers, but how often does the designated driver not touch alcohol? Be smart. These cases are getting increasingly difficult, especially in Southwest Missouri. So we want people to celebrate. We want them to have fun. But we also know that within seconds, those decisions where you get behind the wheel of the car are very important. And as I was talking earlier on how you break DWIs down, if you leave your keys in the car, or even today they're automated, meaning the key doesn't have to be in the ignition, it's got a fob and you push a button. We're under an operational law here. So, if the car is on and it is running and you're sitting behind the driver's seat, you're in charge of that vehicle. So you need to be smart. You need to be careful. We hope that you have a safe holiday season and we look forward to you joining us in the loophole in 2024. Thank you. Thank you for joining this episode of The Loophole. Join us next time as we explore current legal issues and cases and discuss what goes on behind the scenes. We encourage listeners to visit Entrapped.com, where you'll find our library of blogs on criminal defense along with episodes of The Loophole.